a reading from the book of Genesis. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From that time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day, When he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hands and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me. And I cried out with a loud voice, And as soon as he heard that, I lifted up my voice and cried out. He left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garments by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant, whom you have brought among us, came into me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. The word of the Lord. Hey, good morning. My name is Drew. I'm the pastor of Discipleship. And if you happen to be a guest with us, uh, it means a lot. Thanks for being here today. Whether somebody invited you, you found us online, you're looking for a church home, you're just curious, 
Um, thanks for being here, and I believe you're supposed to be here. Uh, it's more than just a coincidence. Suffering. Suffering. This is a word that we don't like. None of us want to suffer, but we're all too familiar with. We were literally born into the world, every single one of you, if you think about it, through an act of suffering. And over the past two years of a pandemic, I couldn't help but think about how acquainted we've become with suffering in ways that we never expected. Seriously, we've all suffered in different ways, even if it's just schedules being completely thrown off, plans being completely changed or annihilated. In big and small ways, suffering has come like an uninvited guest that just won't leave the house. Maybe you can relate. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you have strained relationships that have happened over the past couple of years. Some, maybe you've had challenges with your health. Maybe you still are. It's been tough. Or you know people who have, and it's been tough to watch. Maybe you're suffering mental distress or anxiety or, or just this heavy weight that you never expected to have. Maybe on that note, homeschooling <laughs> that you never expected to do. And even though we kind of laugh at it, it's like, no, that's a real deal. That's hard. It's tough. Things weren't the way you expected, weren't the way that you planned it, not the way that you would have had it go. Being pulled away from friends, family, feeling of isolation. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you're still searching for a job. Maybe finances have gotten hard and you're wondering how you're going to make it. And that's just to name a few. And for some, maybe the suffering had nothing to do with the pandemic at all. Maybe you have past suffering or wounds that just have not healed, and you feel it. And if you're honest with yourself, you know that that's there, and you carry a weight with you. Maybe you even carry it with you in here today. Maybe you're like, yeah, that's something I just kind of pushed down, but I know it's there. Maybe you've experienced loss. Maybe dreams that still are unfulfilled. You thought you'd be in a certain place right now, and you don't find yourself there. Or you find yourself in a place you never expected to be, and you wish you were out of it. Maybe health's still a challenge. Relationships are broken and strained. One of the biggest things that I've learned, and maybe you've learned it too, throughout this past couple years is this reality. None of us were meant to go it alone. Because when you are alone, when you are isolated, you realize how this is not the way it's meant to be. We're starting real upbeat, aren't we? <laughs> You're like, man, I came in for some encouragement today. Like, this is not what I was hoping for or expecting. Here's the reality. I, for all of us, you have, you are, or you will suffer. This is an inevitable part of life. It just is, no matter what age you are as you live this life for, for several reasons. But I want to ask this question. How do you suffer? Can you suffer well? I know that might sound ridiculous, but can you go through difficult things well? What does that look like? And so that's what we're going to look at as we jump into this passage today. Before we do that, I just want to pray for us. One, that we would be open and honest. That we would allow this uh, story that you heard read to actually speak to us where we are. That we wouldn't push back on it or push it away. And here's what I mean. Whether you're a Christian today, whether you're not a Christian, whether you're curious, whether you've been church all your life or not, I believe God wants to speak to you. I believe that. I believe you're here for a reason and a purpose. So come into this honest Allow God to speak to you. That's my prayer. Let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into Genesis 39. Sound good? God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you for what you've done to give us hope in a broken world. 
God, I pray for every single person in here. We all come in with different things. We come in with hesitations. We come in with doubts. We come in with fears. God, we come in wondering what in the world is going on, or we know others who are right there. Some of us come in with great joy. And at the same time, we know (laughs) that something different can be around the corner. God, would you just speak to us now? Would you do whatever you want to do in this time through your word, through the spirit? We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, let's dive into this. Genesis 39. Let me read this first verse. Now, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. So quick background. We're in our third week of the story of Joseph, essentially looking at hope in the midst of brokenness, waywardness. Um, wiliness, for lack of a better word. We saw that last week. But the first week of Joseph, we see that he is the second youngest of many brothers, that he has favor with his father, Jacob, who loves him dearly, essentially favors him over the other brothers. Guess what that does with the other brothers? They hate Joseph. They hate him because dad loves him more. And then Joseph also has dreams. God gives him dreams. And Joseph, being maybe a little bit immature, probably around 17 years old, decides to share these dreams with the brothers. Hey, I had this dream, and all of a sudden I was ruling, and you guys were bowing before me. Guess what that does? It makes the brothers more angry. And then he goes to his dad, and he's like, hey, I had another dream. You guys are coming, you're bowing before me, and I'm up over you. And the dad's like, what in the world are you talking about? You can tell the dad's even frustrated. And so one day, Joseph, he goes to look for his brothers, and their brothers are enraged. And they say, hey, we should just kill him. Talk about maybe a sideways family, right? Let's just take his life. Another brother says, no, let's put him in a pit. We'll just leave him there. They do that. Then Judah, he's like, hey, if we're going to do this, let's at least make some money off of him. Let's sell him into slavery. So they take his coat. They dip it in blood. They take it back to the dad. They say, hey, he's been torn apart by a wild animal. The dad's heart is broken. And Joseph is sold into slavery. Not a small deal. Joseph's first encounter with major suffering. Why is it not a small deal? Because there was no way that Joseph knew what what was ahead of him in the sense of he could have been traded, sold anywhere to do anything. Big deal. That's where we find Joseph in chapter 39. But by God's hand in Joseph's life, he ends up in the kingdom. (laughs) Under one of the rulers in the kingdom, under Pharaoh, who's over all of Egypt. Joseph had suffered, and spoiler alert, he's about to suffer again. Wah, wah, right? For us, we can say when we go through something difficult, man, I'm glad that's over. I'm glad that's not going to happen again. And if you've lived long enough, you know that that's not true. No matter how much money you have, no matter how much you take care of yourself, no matter how many times you do the right thing, suffering can come. It can be right around the corner. And none of us, none of us, none of us are immune to it. It's universal. As soon as Genesis 3 and sin came into the world, it means that all of us are prone to suffering because we live in a broken world. So on one side of the coin here with Joseph, we have suffering. But on the other side, we have this. Look at verse 2. But the Lord was with Joseph. And this is major. This is big. And he became a successful man. And he was in the house of the Egyptian master. The Lord was with Joseph. This bookends this section. You see it right here at the beginning, and you also see it at the end. Why is that important? Because that means 
It's the main theme of this right here. This part of Joseph's life, this is the main theme. Beyond all of his circumstances, beyond all the craziness that's about to happen, hey, the author's saying, don't forget, the Lord was with Joseph. Hey, you're going to go through some hard things too in your life. God promises us that we will. Nobody's immune to it. But check this out. The Lord is with Joseph. And so the Lord was with Joseph. And the word for the Lord here is significant. It's Yahweh. It's the only time in the entire story of Joseph that it's used here in this chapter. Why is that important? Glad you asked. Because Yahweh is the covenant name of God. So things are going south and they're about to go sideways again. And God wants to remind Joseph, he wants to remind us, hey, I'm the God who keeps his promises. I'm the God who doesn't abandon his kids. I'm the God who sees you through, even when things look incredibly dark. You don't know which way to go. I'm the God who holds you up when you can't hold yourself up. That's the type of God that I am. The covenant name of God. Amazing. This God of love and faithfulness. So here's what happens. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. Joseph essentially has the Midas touch. You know people like that? No matter what they touch, turns to gold. That's Joseph. This is God's hand on Joseph, allowing him to be successful in everything. And we know that this is God's hand because of what it says next. Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. God's moving. God's working. He has a plan. He's in control. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and the field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. Smart man, right? Everything this guy does goes well. So here, take care of everything because it seems like you know what you're doing. And he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. Now, we don't know how or when Joseph exactly matured along the way, because he seemed a little immature in chapter 37, but now he's matured. He's an incredible leader. He's probably about 28 years old. And he, don't forget, a slave is now in charge in a major way inside of the kingdom. This is unheard of. This is God's favor moving, working, orchestrating. So things are going well. This is sort of a breather moment in Joseph's story. I love how John Calvin says this. Check this out. He says, The Lord, though he often plunges his own people into ways of adversity, yet he doesn't deceive them. Seeing that by sometimes moderating or lessening their sufferings, he grants them time to breathe. Truly, for this end, God meets with us in our difficulties, that then, with collected strength, as men refreshed, we may be better prepared for other conflict or future conflict. Joseph has this breather. And just as things look like they're taking a turn for Joseph and we're saying, great, Joseph, hey, he was betrayed, but now he's, he's doing well. He's succeeding. Amazing. We're like giving him that clap and happily ever after. No, that's not what we see. More conflict. Joseph was a handsome man in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. He's put everything in my charge. He's no greater in this house than I am. Like he's put me equal with him. Nor has he kept anything back from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. Temptation comes. Temptation comes. 
And not just from anyone, from his master's wife. This is a dicey situation. Things are on edge. But what do we see? Joseph stands his ground. He doesn't give in. He doesn't bend. In our life, there are usually three sources of suffering. Sin that we commit, that we get ourselves into. You probably know what that's like. And you suffer. You suffer consequences. Suffer the reality of that. Suffer the anguish of that. Sin committed against us by somebody else that causes suffering. Some of you can relate. Maybe in your past, somebody sinned against you. Maybe somebody treated you in a way that you weren't meant to be treated. Maybe parents didn't raise you the way that they should have raised you. Maybe siblings, there's, there's been tension and relationships have been torn. Sin's committed against us. And then the third form is simply suffering that comes from living in a broken world that's full of sin. These three forms of suffering. And so maybe for you today, and definitely not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'd actually never ask you to raise your hand for anything. But um, maybe, maybe you've suffered or maybe you're suffering because you can relate with this, because you've given into temptation at some time. Maybe it's in your past. Maybe it's in your present. And maybe you feel like you've even fallen too deep into that. And it's really hard to get out. And it's created chaos, maybe in relationships, maybe in marriage, maybe just in yourself. And maybe you've even convinced yourself that it's not that big of a deal anymore, that, that really nobody's getting hurt in this because it's your own individual kind of hidden sin. But what we see is that there's always a victim in sin. And what Joseph knew is what we need to know. You said, he, he said, how can I do this great wickedness against who? Against Potiphar? Against you, Potiphar's wife? Against my people? No. He says, how can I do this great wickedness against God? First and foremost, Joseph knew that to sin, to lie with her, to do this would be sin against God, a holy God that he loved and a holy God that's with him. It's this relational connection that Joseph had with God that said, no, this is how Joseph, this was his first line of defense against temptation, knowing that by giving in to this, he would be going against the God he loved. That's what we see here in Joseph. And so he does the right thing and he's rewarded, right? No. Check this out. But one day when he went into the house to do his work, none of the men of the house were there in the house. She caught him by the garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, see, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to lie with me and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and he fled out of the house. Then she laid up her garment by her until her master came home and she told him the same story, saying, the Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. We see the source of Joseph's second act of suffering here, and it's a sin committed against him that creates this pain and this punishment. Some of you have been betrayed, and maybe you're in it right now, just to be honest. Maybe by a family member, maybe by a friend, maybe by a spouse. Things have been or are at a place that you never expected to be. You never hoped they would be. And it is a heavy weight to bear. God sees it. He sees you. He sees the situation. He knows 
how it weighs heavily on you. He's not just looking past it. And maybe you feel too hurt to offer forgiveness. I get that. Maybe you want that person to sort of pay for what they've done. I get that too. Maybe you feel too angry to move forward. I can promise you this, based on God's character and what he tells us. This is not something he wanted to happen to you. He also doesn't want you to carry that grief with you for the rest of your life. He's a God of grace. He's God of forgiveness. He's a God of restoration. And I know that might be tough to believe. Tough to look at right now. Tough to see the end to. Tough to even take that first step. But he's all about it. And it doesn't mean that things are going to happen overnight and everything's going to become magically better. But if you find yourself there, those relationships are torn. Those relationships are strained. Those relationships are, are all but dead. Instead of holding all that in, instead of suffering on your own, would you take that first step? Would you trust him with it? the God who loves you far more, the God who's in control. Would you hand that pain over to him? And so Joseph, he's betrayed for a second time here. I can't imagine this. And here's the result. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife had spoken, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. Joseph's master took him and he put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. Let's ask an honest question now here. Let's not act like this isn't a big deal. Maybe the question that pops into your head is, God, why would you allow this for Joseph? (laughs) Hasn't he gone through enough? He doesn't have a family because his family tried to kill him, and then they sold him. And now he's doing the right thing. He's trying to honor you, and he finds himself in prison because of false accusations. He's betrayed again. (laughs) What are you doing? Where are you in this? How is this fair? How is this okay? Can you relate with that? Can you sense that? (laughs) I've been there asking these questions. And this, in these types of moments, for many of us, this is where suffering becomes complicated and it clashes with our faith that God is a good God. My little uh, boy, Silas here, turned three years old on Friday. Um, He's amazing. He's the best part of our life. And we waited seven years for Silas. Uh, Some of you might be newer to the church or maybe you joined over the past year. Uh, My wife and I, seven years, gosh, no, not seven years ago, 10 years ago, um, found out that we could not have children biologically. So we started to go through the journey of infertility. And we went through years, surgeries that didn't work out, treatments that didn't work out, doubts and wondering, wrestling with God. Moments where I would sit in my car on the way home and just yell at God to take it out there instead of to bring it back into the house because I knew it would be too much for Laura to handle that day. So I just sat there and yelled or I sat there and I wept. And I said, how in the world can I be a pastor? I can't even have, we can't even have children. And you've said that this is a good thing for us. And we're trying to do what's right and we're trying to honor you. And yet this isn't happening. This isn't working. And, and so through a lot of prayer and, and long season, Uh, we started the road down adoption. And we would get our hopes up. And I remember over the next year, twice we were were passed over to be parents to a child. We We were the second couple. Felt like the backup. And we asked God again, why? Wasn't this enough? Why won't you give us this child? And then two days after my birthday, 
in 2019, got a call. There's this birth mother, and she's chosen you guys. She didn't live in our area. Um, she found us online. And up until that point in our journey, we very much felt the passive hand of God, <laughs> allowing certain things in our life, wondering what the reason was. And this birth mother happened to live in Charleston. We were in Seattle. And we came down and we met Silas at two days old. And I wouldn't change that for anything. I wouldn't take that away for anything. I can see what God was doing in hindsight in all of it. I could see his active hand along with his passive hand, his active hand even in this sense. And I probably haven't shared this with many people. After we were chosen, the birth mom wanted to know, hey, have you come up with a name for him? And, and we said, yeah, actually we have. It's, it's kind of unique. It's Silas. Check this out. She was going to have him for six months and she chose Silas, which was insane. And we could sense that this was what God was orchestrating in our life. Now, did that mean that all the grief went away? No. But did that mean that we could see that there was hope in the midst of the darkness and the pain? Absolutely. Because even in our darkest seasons of suffering, God is not a God of chaos. He is a God of purpose and he is a God of plan. He is a God of love. He is a God of faithfulness. He is a God that will walk you through the strain. He will walk you through the brokenness. He will get you through the betrayal. He will strengthen you as you fight addiction, as you fight this suffering, as you feel it. He is not a God who leaves his kids. He is a God who wraps his kids in his loving kindness. And even in the moments that we can't feel it or feel him, let me tell you this. He's absolutely there. He loves you. He's not leaving you and he's in control. And that's the beauty of the gospel. Even in the midst of this crazy story and the crazy stories of our life and the crazy seasons of our life where we want to throw in the towel. Don't throw in the towel because God has not thrown in the towel on you. He hasn't. He won't. He has you. He has your family. If you don't know him today, guess what? He wants to know you today because he already knows you by name. He's inviting you like today to honestly surrender and say like, I want that God. Like I'm tired of doing it alone. I'm tired of trying to figure this out on my own. I'm tired of holding all this suffering on my shoulders. I want to give that to you because I need, I need you. I need that. I need hope. The thing our world needs more than anything is not false hope. It needs real hope and a savior who can deliver. That's this Lord. That's who we see here. How does Joseph keep going? He's betrayed time and time again. Well, verse 21, here it is again. But the Lord was with Joseph. And he showed him steadfast love, love that didn't walk away. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison, whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was on Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. Whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. God being with us, God being for us, and hear this church, it's true for you. No matter what age you are, you need to hear it now. You need to hear it in the future. You need to remind yourself of it over and over again. God being with us, God being for us, means that we can find hope even when things seem hopeless. It means that we can find comfort even when things are uncomfortable. It means that you can experience peace even in the midst of chaos. This is why we don't need to fall into fear because you are not alone. And that's what we need to know, that we don't go it alone. 
And it's not just enough that we don't go it alone, but it's who we go it with. And here's the big idea for today. In times of your greatest suffering, let God's presence be your greatest hope. Because you don't just want some random person going it with you (laughs) when things are hard. Somebody who's going to let you down time and time again. That's not this God. Check this out. I love this verse in Psalm 34, 18. It's one of the most encouraging and comforting verses to me. It says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. He's near to you today. He'll be near to you tomorrow. He's been with you in the past. He wants to restore. He wants to bring hope no matter what you're facing. Some of you are crushed in spirit right now, and I get it. I get what it's like to feel that. I get what it's like to carry that weight. I get what it's like to also try to hide it away to act like it's not a big deal. Some of you have wounds from past grief, from past pain, from betrayal, from addictions, strained and broken relationships, failing health, loneliness, loss, crushed or delayed dreams, doubts. And here's the great news. God doesn't just grieve for you, like shows you pity, like, oh, I feel pity for them. No, no, no. He grieves with you. He's in it with you. He's like a father and mother who watch their children in pain and can feel it. Uh, six days into Silas's life, his bilirubin level went way high. And they said, you need to take him to the hospital to um, MUSC. And, and they need to put him on a light thing to bring that down because um, uh, they don't want that sort of uh, whatever it is. I'm not a doctor. Liver deal. That's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> happening. It needs to get brought down. First time parents, scared to death. And sitting in that room overnight, couldn't sleep because I felt this pain and anguish. If there was any way that I could have taken whatever he was feeling, I would have done it in a heartbeat. That's God. And you would say, well, if, if, if that's God, then why doesn't he just take away the pain? He could. And if he hasn't, it's for a reason. And I know that that's tough to absorb, but it's true. There are many different reasons why God may be allowing what he is but there's a reason, there's a purpose, there's a plan. For Joseph, he's strengthening him, he's preparing him, he's building character, but he's with him the entire time. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Don't minimize your suffering. We do this all the time. Well, there are other people who have it harder than me. Yeah, yeah, there are other people who have it harder than you, but that doesn't make what you're going through any less important to God. So don't minimize it. Be honest about it. Let others in on it. It's okay to feel. You were created as a human, not a robot, with emotions that God has given you. It's okay to feel. Don't minimize it. But also don't maximize it. Don't allow it to become your identity. Don't allow it to define the rest of your life. If you have a relationship with Christ, you have a greater hope than that. And here's the good reason why you shouldn't allow it. I love this in 1 Peter 5, 10 through 11. Hear this good news. This is from the message. Ready for good news? I don't believe you, but here it is. (laughs) You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on your faith. This suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. Check this out. Here's the, great, here's the great news. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. Good news for the suffering heart. 
God gets the last word. You know what his last word is? Wiping away all the tears. New heaven, new earth, inviting us into this family. There will be no more suffering. That all those suffering may come for a time, it's not forever. Although suffering may go with you through the rest of your life, it's not forever because this isn't your home. There's a better one in the presence of God who loves you, who wraps his arms around you. Why have you? Why are you? Why will you suffer? Maybe it is to prepare you. Maybe it's to strengthen you. Maybe it's to draw you close to God. Maybe it's to pull you back to God. And honestly, it's sometimes we just don't know. But we do know God is with us. We know as a plan We know he's in control. We know we don't need to fear because he has us. How is he with us? I just want to throw up three things. Spirit, he gives us the Holy Spirit to remind us, to lead us, to guide us of his presence. He gives us his word to strengthen us, to remind us of his promises and his goodness. And he gives us one another in here. This is a gift that he gives us to build each other up when we fall down, to grieve with those who grieve, to rejoice with those who rejoice, You were not meant to go it alone. He gives us community. How can we above everything else take hope in God's presence? What I want you to see here is that in every facet of Joseph's story, don't just see Joseph, see Jesus, the better, the perfect Joseph. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. Jesus was betrayed by one of his disciples. Joseph refused to give in to temptation of his master's wife day after day. Jesus refused to give in to the temptation of Satan 40, years in the, 40 days in the desert. Joseph was falsely accused for a crime he didn't commit. Jesus was falsely accused of a crime that he didn't commit. Joseph was thrown into jail. Jesus was nailed to a cross, placed in a tomb, suffering in our place for our sin, for our suffering, for our waywardness, so that our greatest suffering being separated from God would come to an end. Joseph would eventually die as a man. Jesus would overcome death as God. And his promise to bring all of this suffering that we experience in this broken world to an end. This is the God who is with his kids. He's a God who knows your heart. He knows your pain today. He knows the pain that will come. He knows your frustration. He knows your doubts. He knows your anxiety. He can relate and he knows your name. How do we suffer well? We embrace the loving reality that we don't suffer alone. And that the one who is with us, loves us, isn't leaving, can relate to us in our pain, with our pain, has given you others to hold you up, to grieve with you, who keeps his promises, who has the last word and is leading us to an eternal home where suffering is no more. This is the God we worship. This is the God we serve. So how do we respond? First, maybe it's repentance. Maybe it's turning away from whatever is getting in the way of you and God. Maybe you don't know him. Maybe you don't have a relationship with him. Don't feel shame. Don't feel condemnation. Feel hope that you have the opportunity to know him. And here's, here's the great news. You don't have to clean up to come to him. He comes to you as you are. <laughs> Busted down, doubts, hurt, pain, he'll take you as you are. And he says, I want to save you. I want to give you greater purpose in this life. I want to be your God. I want you to live for me because I gave my life for you. And all you have to do is turn. He's right there. He wants you and his family. Maybe it's repentance from suffering that you've sort of brought on. Maybe it's going to that person that you've sinned against and saying, I'm sorry, we need to make this right. 
Maybe, maybe today it's trust. Maybe you're suffering. Maybe you've been wounded. Maybe you've been betrayed. Maybe you've been holding all of that, and today is the day to say, hey, I'm going to trust the God who says he's with me. And maybe it's surrender. Surrendering your present, surrendering your future to the God who doesn't abandon, to the God who doesn't leave, to the God who's in control. In the time of your greatest suffering, in the time of our greatest suffering, would we let God's presence, this loving, compassionate God who would go to the cross for us, would we let this God be our greatest hope? Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. May you be our greatest hope today. Might you mend broken relationships. Might you bring hope in the darkness. God, would we, no matter what our circumstance is, no matter how dire it seems, have hope in you. The God who doesn't fail his kids. The God who has shown steadfast love. God, may this story of Joseph not just be a story that we read in the Bible, but may it be an encouragement to us that in the good, the bad, the ugly, you're there. And you care, you see us, you know us. And God, may that hope, may that peace, may that comfort when things are rocky, when the ground gives way, God, may it overflow so that others would see it and sense that the Lord is with us. God, I pray specifically this morning for just open wounds. Even though Joseph would become a great ruler, you can't tell me that he still didn't feel grief that his brothers betrayed him, that he was turned on, that that didn't leave a wound in his heart. God, would you heal today? God, would you bring kids home today? God, would you open our hands and bend our knee to you today? Thank you for being the God that you are, not the God we deserved. In your love and your kindness, we pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.